Welcome to episode nine of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we are going to start a mini series on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This comes from four extremely similar references to love the Lord your God in this way. And these references are in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Mark 12, 30 through 31, and Luke 10, 27. And all of these different references kind of phrase it in a different way, but it all comes down to that we are commanded to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if it keeps coming up like this, it seems like it's a very important thing to do. And I wanted to dig into what this actually looks like on a practical level, because it all sounds pretty straightforward to love your God that way. But what does it really look like to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? So we're going to take each of those four things, and we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive to understand a little more of what that looks like and maybe some things we can think through as we pursue loving God in this way. Let's go ahead and look at Mark 12, verses 29 through 31. Now, in Mark, this is when Jesus is asked by a teacher of religious law about the most important commandment. And Jesus says in verse 29, Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. That part at the end about loving your neighbor, Jesus affirms this as well in John 15 verse 12. And we're going to talk about loving others at a later point in the podcast. Right now, we're just going to focus on what it looks like to really love God with all that we have. Some of these four things heart, soul, mind, and strength come easier to us than others, depending on who we are and kind of how we lean on the emotion versus logical scale. But we're commanded to do all of them. And I think we can grow in the areas that we're least strong in, and we can really continue to love God well in the areas that we tend to have more strength in. And God can deepen our love for him in all the areas all the time. And so let's take some time to talk about it. Today, we're going to be focusing in on loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, this one sounds really easy to do, but it's really not that easy. So let's take a closer look at what this means and some implications for our lives. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. I'd like to begin with a word of prayer. 
Lord, please be with us today. Be close to us and near to us and help us to really learn more about what it means to love you with all that we are. Specifically teach us, Lord, how to love you better with our whole hearts and that you would deepen this for all of us, that we would truly love you with all our hearts and that we would continue to want to grow in that area no matter how strong of an area that is for each individual one of us. Lord, we thank you that you want to connect with us. You want to be close with us. You want to show us your immense immeasurable love and you want us to love you in return and that that helps us feel so connected to you and it helps us to connect with you on a deep level that fulfills our souls. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would speak through me today and that you would witness to myself and witness to anyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I read the reference already from Mark. Let's go ahead and look at the similar reference that's in Deuteronomy 6. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses had just given the Ten Commandments to Israel. So that's the context here. And then in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6, it says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Commit ourselves wholeheartedly. Loving the Lord our God is important. It keeps showing up again and again in scripture. We recognize that God is the only God. He's the Lord alone. He is the sole one worthy of all of our worship, all of our focus. He's the one who created us. There is no other God. It's just him. And he is holy and he is worthy of all of our affections, all of our love. So let's look more into what it means to love God with all of our heart. I looked up the Strong's Concordance for the word heart that is used in this particular passage. A lot of things came up for this. Some of them overlapped with soul and some of them overlapped with strength. So I'm going to save those kind of definitions or synonyms for a future episode. But here are a couple that I found the most helpful for our purposes when it comes to studying the heart. These words came up, emotion, passion, will, understanding, determination, courage. I think all these words are very awesome. Ah, they're so good. Can we substitute in some of these words when we're saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart? Do we love him with all of our emotion, all of our passion, all of our will? And this means like our willpower, like our decision making, our understanding. Do we love God with all of our determination, with all of our courage? Great questions to ask. So based off of this verse, the series of verses, Here's a couple of implications, a couple of quick heart checks, maybe questions to ask yourself to kind of check in and see, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? And again, this is a, this is always a journey for us. We never like arrive at perfectly loving God with all of our heart, but maybe there's a couple of areas where you feel particularly strong or you feel like God needs to come in and increase your capacity to love him in this way. First, do you love God with your emotions? and your passion. This is hard for some of us. For some of us, this is the easiest one. Do we love God with our emotions? Do we feel that affection for him, that devotion, that determination, that passion? Do we feel that towards God? Are you passionate about him? 
And being passionate, it feels different for all of us. For some of us, that feels like a burning fire. Passion. It's on the forefront of our mind when we're thinking about it all the time. For some of us, passion is more of a slow burn and it stays kind of underlying or underneath all of our decisions, but it's sort of like a determination or a commitment. That's okay. You don't have to be passionate the way that someone else is passionate. Some people speak with fire and excitement about God, and some people have just like this deep love for him that surpasses the love they feel or experience for everyone else or everything else. One is not better than the other. You're just maybe created differently than someone else, right? We're all different. I looked up the Merriam-Webster definition of passionate, and it says, quote, capable of, affected by, or experiencing intense feeling, end quote. Do you have these things for God? Do you have intense feeling for God? Do you express that towards him, whatever that looks like for you? Maybe this doesn't happen every moment of our lives. I think that would be really interesting if we could maintain that feeling of intense feeling all the time. But is there this underlying passion for God? Does it show up in who we are, the way we speak, the way we live, the way we love? Something to consider. Secondly, Strong's mentions will in its list of words that are similar to heart in this passage. That's so interesting. Is your willpower focused on God? Are you committed to him? Are you willing to subject your plans to his will? That is something we always have to surrender over and over again, especially for me. I want to control every single aspect of my life. I don't want to trust God really with anything. I say I trust God, but really behind the scenes, I'm like, "Mm, but I want to control this. I want to make sure that this goes the way I want it to, because if it doesn't, it's not going to go the right way. It doesn't go the right way. Everything will be disaster. (laughs) That's how I think. That's my thought process. Loving God, though, it requires surrender of what we want to do so that we can actually fulfill the purpose he has for us. We can serve him in the way that he wants us to. We can show up for him and for other people the way that we want. So we surrender those things that we want to control, even if it looks crazy, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems illogical. Do we have the willpower to trust God and to let go of the things that we care about and focus our will on being subject to his will? That's a tough one, at least for me. You see, loving God is actually a commandment. Our hearts were made to love God. So when we live in obedience to him, it gives us a sense of purpose and it's actually how we were designed to live. When we follow his commandments that he gives us, when we follow the commandment to love him, we experience that contentment of knowing we're living into the way that we were designed to live. Third, God doesn't have any competition. He doesn't. There's no competition for God. He is infinitely more powerful. He is infinitely more important than anything else. So does your love for God compete with your love for other things? Or does your love for other things flow out of a heart that loves God and is filled up by him? Sometimes we feel this tension in our lives of so much passion and love for other things. Those things aren't bad. I'm not saying those things are bad. but Does the love that we have for those things flow out of our heart that fully loves God first? Does our love come from a place where we're being filled up by him? Or 
Are we constantly finding our heart in a position of competition? Does our love for God compete in our hearts with our love for other things? Or do they work in harmony with each other? Because the love comes from God. Just something to consider. When I was sitting down to think about loving God with all of our hearts, and I was praying about it, there was a few things that God brought to my mind that we have to give up to love God with all our hearts. These things are idols. They're things that get in the way. They're things that we worship instead of God that we give our full hearts to. And in order to stop competing with God, we have to give up some of these things. So I wanted to mention just a couple that came to mind when I was praying through this. The first idol that God brought to my mind was our other allegiances. Like I just mentioned, God doesn't compete with other things. So we have to love God above everything else. It's above your commitment to people, above your commitment to country, to wherever you live, above your commitment to organizations, even if they're good, above your commitment to your lifestyle, how you live your life, above your commitment to your passions and the things you care about. That doesn't mean that God wants you to give up your love for those things, but those other allegiances can become more important to us than God. Your love for your country has got to be subject. It has to be below your love for God. Your love for other people, your children, your family, your parents, it's not above your love for God. God does not compete. All of our other allegiances, all the other things we care about, our socioeconomic status, how wealthy we are, the economy, our passions, sports that we play, games we play, organizations we're committed to. Everything is subject to God. All of our other allegiances are second to him. God does not compete. He doesn't want to share your full devotion with anything else. Now, when you love God with your whole heart, can your love for other things flow out of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But our love for other people country, organizations, lifestyle, whatever. It cannot come above our love for God. We are subject first to loving him and living the way that he asks us to. It's got to be in that order. In Exodus 20, we have the 10 commandments. They're given to the Israelites through Moses. And in verse three, it says, this is the first commandment. In verse three, it says, you must not have any other God, but me. The second commandment is verse four and five. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the seas. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. If we make other people, our lifestyle, our wealth, whatever, If we make those things gods in our lives and we worship those things and give them our total affection, we're making them into gods. And we are not to do that. That's not how we're made to live. Those things disappoint us. They never hold up to the standard that God has. And it robs us of a life of purpose and getting to live in the beautiful, unadulterated presence of God. We have to keep looking for those idols and rooting them out. It doesn't mean we remove them from our lives. It just means that we set them aside in favor of a full devotion to God. 
I want to mention that in verse 6, right after this in Exodus 20, there's a mention of laying down the sins. There's a mention of laying the sins of parents on their children. I'm not going to address that here. Um, If you want to look more into that, you can look into Jeremiah 31, and there's a few other verses on it too. It's actually a really interesting topic. It's just not within the scope of what we're talking about here. Ultimately, what we are talking about is God is God, and nothing and nobody else is worthy of our full devotion and worship. Nothing just God. And that process of going back to him, repenting of our idols, asking him for forgiveness, receiving that full forgiveness and and grace, and then realigning our hearts to worship him with all of our heart. It just keeps repeating. We keep doing this again and again throughout our lifetimes because we keep making things into idols. We keep making things into gods in our lives. And the only one who can satisfy that need is God. And we stray and stray and stray. And he brings us back and brings us back and brings us back because he is a faithful God. The second thing God brought to my mind was hardness of heart. I know when you hear hardness of heart, and when I hear hardness of heart, probably the first thing that we're thinking about is when Pharaoh's heart was hard, when he wouldn't let the Israelites leave uh, when they were under slavery in Egypt. For sure, that's the reference we think about. And also hardness of heart is mentioned several other times in scripture outside that context that I have found. When I really think about what hardness of heart looks like, it looks like a resistance and a callousness towards God. It looks like a resistance and callousness towards God's will for our lives. And yet we're called to love God wholeheartedly with our full heart. Do we have things in our lives that make our hearts hard? Yes, there can be trauma. There can be hurt. There can be times when we feel abandoned by him. There can be all kinds of things that come up that make our hearts hard and callous and resistant where we don't want to love God with our whole heart. We don't want his will for our lives. We want to live the way that we want to live because maybe we've got some trust issues. Maybe we have some hurt to work through with him. I want to share a few verses from Ezekiel 11. God had just punished Israel for rebellion against him. That is a theme of the Old Testament. He promised to execute judgment against them, and a lot of them were living in exile. He promises, though, to be with them in their exile. And in Ezekiel 11, starting in verse 18, he says, When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. But as for those who long for vile images and detestable idols, I will repay them fully for their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now in that last verse, verse 21, I want you to remember that sin is really serious. A lot of times I think we forget that sin is so serious. But also remember that Jesus has taken the full punishment for our sins. If you put your faith in Jesus and repent, you are to be forgiven because Jesus has already taken on that full punishment and has died for your sins. So praise God for that. We are not held accountable for our sins anymore because of Jesus. The other thing I want to notice about this verse, though, And the reason why I chose this is because it really talks about having a stony, stubborn heart. Who replaces that heart? 
When we have hardness of heart, when our hearts feel stubborn and stony, and we don't want to follow God and his will for our lives, and we don't really even want to give God our hearts, who replaces that? It's God. He says, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. Who gives us the ability to obey him? Who gives us the ability to have responsive and tender hearts? It's God. So if you have a heart that feels stony and unresponsive to God, if all of this feels very convicting for you, who do you go to? You go to God. He will bring our hearts to him and he will reform our hearts. It might take time. It's oftentimes not immediate. Sometimes there's some hard work to be done. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes we've got some trauma that we have to work through. Sometimes we need to go to counseling. Sometimes we need to talk to spiritual mentors in our lives. Sometimes you got to journal. All of the life experiences we've had, I'm sure that some of them have been very painful. And maybe you felt like in some of those, you couldn't trust God, that he abandoned you, that he didn't love you, that he's not someone you want to give your full heart to because he might not honor that. What has happened to you to make your heart hard? It might not even be you're fully hard-hearted towards God. It might be just parts of you are, but you want to reserve some parts for yourself because you're worried about giving those parts to God. I would encourage you to identify what those are, to really think through what the hurt was, and to invite God in with you through that hurt. And if you feel like you can't get past it, perhaps you need some counseling. Perhaps you need some help. There's nothing, there's no shame in that. I've had lots of things that I've worked through with God through Christian counseling. Maybe you don't want to go to Christian counseling. Regardless, God will be with you in the process. He will abolish those strongholds and he will make your heart tender. It might not be right away though. Third thing God brought to my, to my mind We tend to go to rebellion and self-reliance. So this is all about when we follow our own path instead of God's path for us. And we're depending on ourselves instead of depending on God to provide what we need. We're self-reliant. We're in a state of rebellion against him. This is when we want to control our lives and we don't want to subject our will to him. For this, I have 1 John 5, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So loving God with all of our hearts, what does that mean? It means keeping his commandments. His commandments are not a burden. They're a joy. They show us the right way to live, that we might experience peace and contentment and joy. We experience victory through our faith. Those that believe in Jesus and believe he was the Son of God, we win the battle against the world because Jesus has already defeated it. But we've got to subject our will to him. We've got to let go of our plans. We've got to let go of what we want and focus in on what God wants. And that's really scary because 
I think deep down, a lot of us are kind of wondering if what God has is all that great. (laughs) Is it going to be good? Do I want that? Can I even trust him? Good questions to ask and good things to bring before him. The fourth thing God brought to mind, I think a lot of times we hold on to our hate and our fear. Now, as just mentioned in that verse from 1 John, we're to love God's children. We're to love other people. Just because God is our first love and we give our full heart and full affection to him does not mean that we don't love others. In fact, it empowers us. It fills us so that we're overflowing with love for others. Yet, a lot of us, myself included, hold on to our hate and our fear. Loving others and loving God is often connected to each other in scripture. A lot of times when it says we're to love God, it follows up by also saying we're to love other people. Or the other way around, it says we love other people, and then it talks about loving God. Those two ideas are often in connection with each other when I was looking up different verses about this. And a great example is in 1 John 4. So this is the chapter before the verses I just read. And in verse, starting in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen him with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God has God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must love their fellow believers. I don't know how much more clear this can be. God is our source of love. God is love is what it says. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. There's this reciprocal relationship when we love God, that God lives in us and we're able to experience him. He he lives within us. So because God is our source of love, this enables us to love others. We don't really have to try harder. We just have to keep bringing this before God, keep bringing our struggles before God. We confess our sins. We confess that we are 
fearing people or we're afraid to love people or we're mad and we hate some people or we hate what the people have done. We confess this and we ask God to forgive us and he is faithful to do so because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Go to God for love. Go to him as your source of love. Abide in him. Rest in him. Know that his love is so accessible to you. And this can enable us to love other people. We're commanded over and over and over again to love others. And it can help us realize if we're loving God and how we treat and love other people. If we hold on to our hate and fear towards others, even if it's really hard and we've gone through things that are really tough, I'm not saying that those things are easy, but I am saying that we've got to bring that before God and experience his healing. We are asked to love. So if there's a group of people that you struggle to love, that's normal. I think a lot of us feel that way. That doesn't mean that we can continue to live that way. We have to hold, we have to let go of our hate and our fear. It feels protective and it feels justified, but perfect love casts out that fear. And the perfect love comes from God. And I think times in my life when I've forgiven people, when I've let go of the fear and the hate, that's a lot of times when we experience the true healing for our souls. And our hearts are renewed in Christ. So some next steps is to work on rooting these out. Maybe think about some ones that you felt convicted by. Bring them before God. Talk to someone about them. Pray about them. Look up scripture and verses and chapters about that. Go to God and tell him everything. Be real with him. He can handle all your emotions. He made you. He designed feelings. There is no emotion you have that he has not seen before. And there's no emotion that you have that is too much for him. So bring it on. He can take it. He would much rather you bring it before him and experience his healing and his love than to hold on to the hard emotions and to just let them make your heart hard. He wants to break through those things today, friends, that your heart could be free to love him and to love others. A quick summary. So remember that there's a few things to ask yourself. Do you love God with your emotions and passion? Do you love God with your willpower? And are you committed to him and being subject to his plan and his will? And do you recognize that God has no competition and that your love for him should not compete with other things but flow out of that love? Some idols to think about. What are your other allegiances? Do you have hardness of heart? Are you rebellious and self-reliant? Are you committed to holding on to your hate and your fear? God loves you, my friend, and we can love him with our whole hearts when we come to him over and over and over again. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you that you love us and that you want to break through all of our strongholds and that you want to make our hearts responsive and tender, that you want to use us to love others and that you want a close, loving relationship with each of us one that is so satisfying for our souls and our hearts because this is exactly where we are meant to live. You do not fail us even when we have a hard time believing that. And for every woman who's listening, God, I pray that you would help bring to mind anything that you want to heal, that they would feel your love, your overwhelming love for them, and that they would come to you and feel your tenderness. We love you, God. I pray that you would increase that love and our ability to love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining. I'll chat with you next time. 
Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.